Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Kinetic Life Podcast, brought to you by Kinetic Renew. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your way to your dreams, your goals, and your success. We'll be fueling that with key information on topics like health, science, tech, and lifestyle. Coated with a few laps along the way. In this episode, charge your electric vehicle twice as fast. Whipped cream made from bacteria? Yum. It's in your genes, so you eat what you are. Sweets to my sweet, sugar to my honey. Be careful, the sweeter it is, the sweeter it needs to be. Run longer with a better gut. Plus, a few tips and tricks to help you on your journey. And now we begin. Here's Michael Chalaboudis and Dr. Mark Hertzberg. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Kinetic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shalavudis, with my good friend, Dr. Mark Hertzberg. Yes, that would be me. That it is, but I'm the more favorite person here. People prefer me over, well, not me, I guess. Oh, Mama always liked you best, Tommy. Of course, I was the baby. Mm. Baby's always the favorite. Oh. Actually, we're... Oh, no, you were the oldest. There are societies in which we go, you're the favorite. You're who we're sacrificing to the volcano god. Hmm. At least it's probably a good thing I wasn't born thousands of years ago. Well, we... It's nothing like having a revival meeting. Kinetic Life Podcast is sponsored by Kinetic Renew. Kinetic Renew is a four-ounce shot of all-natural ingredients that deliver some amazing benefits, like improved mental clarity, long and short-term focus, and improved memory and cognition. Plus, Kinetic Renew improves mood with the added benefits of anti-stress and anti-anxiety. Here's what people are saying. I drink a bottle of Kinetic Renew, and I'm in a better mood. It's like waking up on the right side of the bed. (laughs) It's great. My mental focus is clearly better. I do notice that I have better clarity. Definitely improves my mood for sure. It reduces my stress. Visit KineticLife.com today. Log on now and use promo code POD1 for 30% off. That's 30% off your order when you use promo code POD1. KineticLife.com. K-I-N-E-T-I-Q Life.com. Do it now. You're going to love Kinetic Renew. Mark, have you been having anxiety about charging your EV? because it takes way too long to charge at home? Well, you're in luck, because Lucid, a company that was spun off by a former executive, I believe, of, of Tesla, has now have a improved at-home charger for your EV that is t- charges twice as fast as Tesla's at-home charger. Well, let's correct a few things. Number one, two things I don't have, anxiety and EVs. So uh, the answer was no, I wasn't having anxiety attacks over the EV I don't yet have. Uh, Now this guy you called the executive from Tesla, oh, it's much more than that. What a lot of people don't realize about what the Lucid is, uh, Tesla was already uh, planning and designing and somewhat through uh, the development of the Model S when they realized they needed help. And he brought on uh, a design team and basically they corrected and fixed a lot of things to make the Model S you now have, but 
they were stuck with what was already there when they were brought in. They weren't there at the beginning. And even if you were there at the beginning, once you do one, you learn things you could have done better at the beginning. So that team is the team. They left Tesla and they are Lucid Air. So in a lot of ways, the Lucid Air is how they would have done the Tesla from scratch if they mm. already had experience working with it. So uh, it's more than just an executive who moved around like to do the finance. And what they're talking about here is when you get a home charger, that this home charger can, I think it put 80 miles 80 on miles in an hour. an hour, yep. Yeah, Compared 80. to roughly 44 for Tesla's at home charger. Right. So, uh, and when you consider generally if you're charging at home, you're leaving it overnight but what this could do is, in the future, when you might have three, a three-car family, all of them electric, that you could charge, you know, when you come home for dinner, charge one. Before you go to bed, you know, early, switch to another. And then at some point, someone could switch to another. And you could, you know, charge, you know, three cars instead of, well, one car will charge overnight. Yeah, no, and I mean, look, in comparison, uh, for everyone to understand, the those charging stations that you see uh, could charge roughly about 200 miles in 15 minutes, so substantially faster at a charging station, but uh, the at-home capabilities are not there yet, but they're working on getting to that point. Yeah, even when they make these numbers, different batteries, different types of cars, mm-hmm. their max charging rate is different also. When they say something like, we could put on 80 miles in an hour, what they're saying is, if you have a car with a range of 400 miles, we could put on, let's say you pull it in with 100 miles left, they can go to 180 and then to 260. But as you get closer to the top, electric, it's not like gasoline. It gets slower and slower and slower. So a full, when you talk about getting the full whatever it's rated as, you can't say it's going to charge at the 80 or as you were talking about, the public one for pay, 200. Uh, but faster charging is going to be very important because if the lifestyle of everyone is going to be electric cars, you're going to have to deal with, uh, it's not just how long you take, but if you're on a road trip and there are five electric stations on the highways, you know, rest stop, <laughs> and there are 40 cars ahead of you, at five stations, and each one takes 30 minutes, you're not just going to be there for lunch, you're going to be there for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) You'll you'll be pushing your car up to the the station at that point. Right, so they got to, you know, that's one of the big things is getting that faster, which means uh, the electrics are much better for uh, local use. Also, what happens, you know, when you talk about, I'm going to charge it at home, what happens if you live in a garden apartment? What happens if you live in Manhattan and you're already paying more for your to park your car than people in other places pay for their apartment? Now you're going to ask the uh, that uh, parking lot to put in charging stations. You know what they're going to charge you to charge. <laughs> you also what what about areas with that have a natural disaster and you have no power? How do you charge your electric vehicle? Oh, you can't say I have stored up gasoline to run the car. The uh, by the way, I was just reading an interesting thing. Uh, you know, in was it the Motor Trend? I think with their next SUV of the year, they're talking, and so many of these are electric. And where they are, 
doing the testing out on the desert grounds or whatever it is. What they brought along is a uh, big truck, I guess, with hydrogen cells. Oh, wow. So, you know, Toyota always says hydrogen cells are going to be better than batteries for electric cars. And they're charging the electric cars with hydrogen cells. Yeah, well, I, I believe they're using hydrogen cells for certain things, but they're just they're so big right now. Until they can make them smaller, it's kind of hard to use it for a car, correct? Yeah. And again, you know, everything, where does that uh, electricity for the battery come from or the power to charge up the hydrogen cell? Uh, get the hydrogen back in the proper form uh, or produce the hydrogen because it can turn to water, uh, that's got to be power from something else. Yeah. Well, complete aside before I move on, a good friend of mine actually just bought himself a Lucid. And he was telling me that in the sprint mode, while it drains the battery, I think he said roughly like a 1,000 horsepower, which I'm not sure how you could even test that out on the... Uh, the jam-packed streets of, of Long Island. It's simple. Take it to 120. When the cops send a helicopter to get you, see if you can outrun it. <laughs> <laughs> but by the way, one thing, one really good thing about the opposite of these vehicles that can carry a big charge, if you park your Lucid, because, you know, talking on the emergency, if you park your battery-powered vehicle or hired fuel cell vehicle, and there's a power outage that night, it can send electricity in the other direction. Mm, it's like having a backup generator, a very expensive backup generator. Well, actually, you're not spending more for it than for, you know, you already paid for it in your car, so it's, it's not true. an extra thing. It has pros and cons, but it definitely is changing the lifestyle. Live out your imagination, not your history. Stephen Covey. Shake your world, or someone else will shake it for you. Author unknown. The person who says it cannot be done should not interrupt the person doing it. Author unknown. Do you like ice cream? Who doesn't like ice cream? Do you, well, I don't know ice cream, you scream, we all scream. For ice cream. Do you like whipped cream on your ice cream? Yeah, of course, that's how you make a sundae. Do you like whipped cream on other things? It's a loaded question. Well, you know, this strawberry shortcake is basically whipped oh, cream. Oh, yeah, no, There are lots yeah. of things. And it's a different texture whipped cream than what you, you know, the can, you shake it up and put it on your thing. Mm -hmm. Do you like bacteria? Do you like bacteria on your shortcake or your ice cream? Yeah, well, I well mean, then you'll love <laughs> our new whipped creamy bacteria. Is it low fat? Yes, it is. I guess the good question is, what does it taste like? It remains to be remains to be seen. <laughs> I guess that the company that makes it—that's up to the flavor scientists. <laughs> the but basically. They have a combination of bacteria that one is hydrophilic, one is hydrophobic, uh, which in chemical terms mean I love water, I hate water. So oils are hydrophobic. They kind of separate. That's why your dressings separate. 
They separate from liquid. And by mixing these, you can get real fluffy, soft whipped cream with more of the hydrophilic, I believe. But if you use the hydrophobic, you can get more of a thick dent like you might spread on a cake for icing. So you get the beautiful peaks of of a nice whipped cream, yet uh, without all the fat, because the saturated fat is what really makes the beautiful peaks in a whipped cream. And although people have been, uh, how is it, uh, brought up for generations now to fear bacteria, but you pretty much are like one-third bacteria by weight. And it's like when you say, I want yogurt with live cultures, you're eating bacteria. You know, so uh, what you really need is to be Dorothy and go, oh, you good bacteria? Oh, bad? (laughs) Oh, actually, no, excuse me. You got to be the good witch. witch. Where's Dorothy? Let's correct me on that. Oh, you good bacteria? Why, I'm not bacteria at all. (laughs) So in this situation, technically, we have a low-calorie or fat-free whipped cream. If you can make it taste good, that could also potentially be a probiotic. Well, they didn't talk about the health of that bacteria. And also, even if these aren't, could they have versions that are? So, uh, probably, I mean, there's probably also zero calorie if it's just water mixed with two types of bacteria and maybe like vanilla extract. So, it's. Well, that becomes a good question. If you have enough bacteria that they add up to. some, And and again, it's mainly water in this thing. Yeah. But. Bacteria aren't made of nothing. They're made of, uh, you know, it's just like you'd say, oh, that's not, you know, no matter how small something is, you know, essentially an ant and a blue whale are made of proteins and carbs and fats and all that stuff. Right. So bacteria probably have similarities. And if you had, you know, if you had a bacteria. Or one celled organism the size of the amoeba that Kirk's Enterprise got swallowed up by. <laughs> it probably has calories. Very true. No, because they flavor it right, it's pretty much perfect. You got the, the texture of a of the whipped cream. It's, you know, a nice base to put your sprinkles on top of your Sunday with uh, a little bit less guilt. But then also what happens is if it's a guilt free whipped cream, you're sticking it on regular ice cream and load it up with sprinkles, you're probably to break even. From a calorie standpoint, but that that's the way I think. Well, how do you know they're not going to make your ice cream out of bacteria in the next episode? Uh, <clears throat> at some point when you go too many uh, alternatives, there's, there's no fun in, uh, in having the Sunday at that point. think you become, what you feel you attract, what you imagine you create, author unknown. Imagination is more important than knowledge, Albert Einstein. Life will pay whatever price you ask of it. Clarity is power. The more clear you are about exactly what you want, the more your brain knows how to get there. Tony Robbins. Mark, as we were talking about Sundays, I know you have a pretty aggressive sweet tooth. 
but do you know in the, in someone that overconsumes sweetness that the sweeter it is, the sweeter it needs to be? It's, Elucidate us on that, please. They found that those who consumed copious amounts of, of sweet foods, that to get the same result, they required even sweeter foods. So think of it almost like, uh, as we know of caffeine, you know, the, the more you have, the more you need to get the same result over, over time. You're almost building up, a, I guess, a insensitivity. Well, one difference with caffeine, it's how effective it is once it's in you. Mm, very with true. the sweet, they're talking about the taste buds sensing how much is there. Yes. So in this situation, they looked at the, the the neurons. There's no adjustment in the neurons. There's no adjustment in the amount of actual uh, taste buds themselves. Though they found that there was less um, sweetness taste receptors. Is that correct? I believe it was a reduction in in the, in the receptors themselves uh, for sweetness. Okay, and they're making this out to be that this is bad because assuming humans work like the mice they tested, that as you dull it, you have to eat, you'll eat more and more sweets and uh, it's bad for you. But they're not thinking about the evolutionary benefit of why this system is. Well, of course, thousands of years ago when you couldn't just go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a 100 munchkins, um, anything that was sweet usually comes from fruits and whatnot, and your limited food supply, uh, anytime you found but something think sweet. about the recipe. The evolution is thinking about the recipe. Well, it's, it's not oh, saying well, that you're eating, sugars and fats, because no, your body it, thinks for storage. It's for, not saying you're craving more sugar and eating more of the same thing. What they're saying here is to think it's sweet, you need it sweeter. So you got to put twice as much sugar in the same thing. We can same. do that. Or instead of eating an apple, you eat candy, which is much sweeter because mm -hmm. the apple doesn't taste sweet to you anymore. Now, in evolutionary terms, if you've eaten too much sugar, the body wants you to eat other things. Since you can't double the sweetness of mm. things, they don't taste good anymore. So you go fulfill for enjoyment, let me eat something savory. Let me eat, you know, with the different types of tastes. So you might lean towards flavors you can taste instead of sweet. They did not think of this because um, humans are idiots. I keep telling people. So not so much of, of you know... Fat storage, you know, take as much sweetness in as more of you're not actually getting the required nutrients by keeping to by eating just apples and fruit. Find, you know, go eat yourself a nice piece of meat or something else. Right. If apples are your favorite, then you might be getting too much sugar because you've had so many apples and you haven't had any veggies or meat or what else. And it's not that okay. I, the uh, Instead of the apple, I'm going to eat candy. There was no candy. Mm -hmm. It's the apple doesn't taste good anymore. So you move to other things. And then eventually the apple will taste good again. Is that why when I, I go from sweet to salty, then back to sweet, then back to salty? No, that's because mm -hmm. you like the mixture. Because I think this takes a little longer time than back and forth. Mm, but, like food. You know, whoever wrote this, I hope they're listening to the podcast so they can take their hand to their forehead and hit themselves and go, we missed the obvious. <laughs> Thank
Everything is energy, and that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality you want, and you cannot help but get that reality. It can be no other way. This is not philosophy. This is physics. Albert Einstein. Staying on the topic uh, of consumption, uh, your genes actually play a role in what you eat, whether it be... I know. If, if I get too fat and don't fit into my genes, uh, I can't eat anymore. <laughs> well, that's why you get the stretchy pants. Ah! No, we're talking We're like, not sponsored by stretchy pants, we should point out. <laughs> not those genes. I'm talking mm-hmm. about your genetics genes. Uh, oh, so they did a study, and if the original, what really originally brought this about was, you know, why are some people, uh, you know, have acquired tastes, whether it's you know black coffee or pungent cheeses, you know, some people love that, uh, while others, and the people that do like those type of um, foods say, oh, it's an acquired taste, you just have to eat more of it, and you'll eventually like it. But at the end of the day, it actually has nothing to do with being a quote acquired taste. It's more of uh, your genetic composition is telling you that you know these are uh, favorable, and that's and it goes beyond that. I mean, people you might hear of people having an aversion to cilantro. I believe I think ten percent of individuals think cilantro is a very soapy taste. Um, uh, look, even going to asparagus, asparagus make people ever think everyone's uh, pee smells from asparagus, but actually it's a genetic. Not every it doesn't affect everyone. But I think that we have to slow down and separate two completely different concepts. Mm-hmm. They talked about that light, certain things are genetic, and the one great example that became very political at one point is there's a chemical in broccoli that the vast majority of people can't taste. But if you can taste it, you hate broccoli. Mm. Now, the other people who can't taste it, some like broccoli, some don't. There are a lot of factors involved. But uh, I think it was President Bush Sr. And while he was campaigning, you know, people like farmers have food and, uh, you know, uh, candidates always, they eat the foods in different places and say they love them and he could not eat broccoli and no matter how much his you know Barbara Bush said come on you know suck it up eat it she didn't realize that there's this gene and if you tasted what it tasted like to a person with this gene you wouldn't say you gotta eat it the uh, but then there's also when they were talking about acquired taste they were talking about literally because even the people who like it don't like it at first Mm. But what there is, is there's something in it, a part of it they like, and they have a gene, not for tasting it or not tasting it, but something that makes them keep going till they can learn to concentrate on it and like it, which might be why they say it is also linked to people with addictive behaviors. Well, and that's an interesting thing you bring it up because they mentioned for acquired taste everything from, uh, you know, nicotine to black coffee to pungent cheeses. And they compared it to the two other groups. Beer. Which, yeah, be- Most people don't taste their first beer and say, wow, that is tasty stuff. <laughs> I didn't see beer in there. Okay, they did say alcohol. Okay, so they did say alcohol. But then they compared it to people with. You know, palatable foods. You know, high calorie the food we all most people like, uh, and then low calorie. You know, healthy foods. Uh, and if I remember correctly, the they were saying those with the, um, I guess, a, a more obscure uh, acquiring of a more obscure taste were healthier individuals, which seems a little 
interesting to me for the fact that you know those people are higher risk takers and also you're talking about consumption of you know uh, things of alcohol beer uh, but think of one other thing nicotine we always talk about how does evolution play in well how does adapting quickly to something new mm. therefore when you say like everyone says low calorie foods are good low calorie foods are deadly in the natural environment uh, predators will go after like sharks they'll attack big fat blobby things which have a lot of energy they cannot waste the effort of hunting chasing hunting killing and the risk involved for a few calories you need to get a big payoff therefore the tastes of high calorie things are things we like for a reason the problem is when it's too easy to get them we get fat but saying that it's the adventurousness of finding something that you isn't as obviously sugar you should like, fats you should like yeah. because they're quick calories, they're worth the effort of the hunt. Here are things that are more subtle. And since you are not in the natural environment where you need a big payoff for your effort, these have become healthier because you can eat more without gaining as much weight. So if you can learn to like that acquired taste, it has an advantage. I also like a lot of weird foods, so maybe that's uh, a benefit to me. Well, maybe they dropped you on your head as a baby. There's always that mm, part of could the Could be factor. that too, or those paint chips. Mm. Mm, I, I, tasty paint chips. I didn't see paint chips on the list of obscure foods, but you know. <laughs> well, wait a second. I know for a fact that you would never just see a paint chip on the floor and eat it if you couldn't dip it in a hot sauce. <laughs> mm. Well, back then I didn't have, I didn't, you know, didn't have my hot sauce, but you just mix it with the Play-Doh mm. and then you make yourself an ice cream cone. You're good. You put the dough in Play-Doh. What happens if like they have all these things of building some things out of Lego, like the Empire State Building full scale? Yeah. What if you did the same thing for Play-Doh and you made this big resort that you could go to out of Play-Doh? Would you call that Play-Doh's retreat? <laughs> <laughs> Where focus goes, energy flows. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Successful people ask better questions. As a result, they get better answers. Tony Robbins. Is a big fat gut better for a running long distance or a nice firm and shape gut with a six pack better for running long distance? It's a gut with the right bacteria. The right bacteria? The right bacteria. It's like the right stuff, the right bacteria for running. If you, did you know that if you have the properly balanced gut biome, you'll not only have more endurance for running, but you'll have more motivation for running because, hey, they are, they are pulling your puppet strings. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, are you in control of the bacteria or are the bacteria controlling you more? Uh, we work together. We're a team. Me and my bacteria strolling down the avenue. Two, three, four. So they looked into it a little further and apparently... Uh, the diet played a big role that those with, uh, they, they mentioned higher carb diets. Now, they weren't specific because higher carbs could be eating, eating pasta, Alfredo, and Snickers all the time, but I'm assuming healthier grains. But again, they weren't specific in the study, but those that had higher carb diets had a more a specific blend 
of bacteria in the gut that it seemed to improve long-distance running. And it was a very different combination of bacteria compared to those on a higher-protein diet, which did not provide any additional benefit from long-distance running. That begs the question then, Mark. Mm. So is getting a fecal transplant, say, before the New York City Marathon, is that considered doping? Well, it depends if you get it from a dope. (laughs) (laughs) And the question is, is the person who gives the transplant or receive it the dope? Mm. So how do they test for that at the end? You know, I know they take a urine sample sometimes, but this is a whole new ball game. (laughs) Uh, Sir, this is not your poop. (laughs) Oh, but then there's a whole new meaning to at the end of the marathon, they go, how do you feel? I'm pooped. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I think we should give extra credit. Unfortunately, we don't have any prizes to hand out for anybody who got the reference to the 1920s vaudeville hit, Me and My Shadow, when I sing Me and My Bacteria. The rest of you <laughs> <laughs> are in this century. <laughs> going to say no one listening to this knows the 1920 vaudeville hit, but I could be wrong. The, uh, well, me and George Burns, no songs like that. <laughs> so, I mean, look, it's amazing. Look, more research, obviously, is needed for the full extent of, of how this is affecting long-distance running. But as if you listen to this podcast before, you you realize that your gut plays a huge role in, in physical activity, general health, immune health, brain health. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, you can't, you know... To have a super specific, I mean, you can't have a super specific diet and, and eat nothing fun. You still got to live your life, though, and having that Sunday is nice. But your what you consume every day plays a bigger role beyond just uh, you know I'm going to be a little bit skinnier. It's uh, feeding that gut seems to be one of the most important things to healthy living, at least uh, even the, from the long term. I'm glad you had the guts to finally say that. <laughs> that, or you could just you know. Go to go to fast food every day and uh, go to your local fecal transplant. And now I have to clinic. go. I have to go through all the uh, history things about they talked about these horrific battles with these horrific tyrants who eviscerated each other and all of that and going. You know they were just messing up each other's gut biomes. <laughs> and I guess what what do you do when someone's eviscerated? You got to get some probiotics in there quick to start that bi- or a fecal transplant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, a fecal transplant's a better option. Or is, I mean, probiotic suppository? Is that something that exists? I feel like that would be something that exists. Look, if you, it could if, be. If you can't get past the stomach, and the stomach acids are good, and the, all the super basic, uh, you know, the alkalines and the beginning of the small intestines is going to destroy the probiotics you're taking. What if you're just coming from the other way? Well, the one t- t- thing about that, to address it seriously, is for the probiotics, when people take them orally, you digest them. That's yeah. why pre- prebiotics can Make survive. The thing is, can't digest. Uh, according to, let's say, a not-so-long-ago Science Times, New York Times article, uh, all these prebiotic supplements... Uh, it's questionable because you're better off feeding the gut with a good diet. So to me, it's like a lot of vitamins. If you're depending on a supplement instead of eating right, it's not going to work. If you want to use it as a safety net, 
along with eating right. That's right. It's called a supplement. Supplement. Right. It's supposed to diet. be to help, and along with a good diet, not in, not to make up for a bad one, but. So in theory, putting it up the other way, but one of the things we're going to get to when we delve more into the real, let's try to be serious now and not make jokes, science and situations with actual fecal transplants uh, is that one of these days they will figure out what is the right mix of biota and make something like that you might call like a probiotic, an actual Instead of fecal, just get the right community of bacteria and it's also fungi and other things. Yeah, I know. I believe they were starting to categorize this. I read an article that tried to categorize it, but it was you're talking about thousands on top of thousands of different strains and there's different ratios of different strains. This is going to take I a think, while I before think they get, get this. Trying, I think you might be being kind to say millions, we have to deal with thousands. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's not something that's going to be put together anytime soon. And this is like one thing I would say, you know, if you're going to try to put the whole thing in, and I and I think we'll deal with this more in another episode, but like, can you just put the whole thing in or like any community, do you have to put certain things in first and then add certain things at the right time? So well, it all goes to ratio. So and it's not mm. like you'd be working with a clean canvas or you destroy everything in your body and then start fresh. Uh. So I guess we're going to then get to the golden ratio shows up. They call the ratio bacteria bacteria. superhuman. Ooh. Did aliens bring us the golden ratio? Or is it really something natural to geometry and mathematics? Now we're getting off topic here. (laughs) Okay, we got off topic. So how do you get back on topic? This is how we get back on topic. I want to thank everyone for joining us today for, uh, you know, another exciting episode of the Kinetic Life Podcast. You know, we're going to continue this discussion next week. We hope to have you back. In the meantime, please feel feel free to email us at uh, podcast at kineticlife.com for any questions, uh, any topics you want us to discuss in further detail. Please share, like, subscribe, tell a friend, tell your neighbor. Tell the mailman, tell anyone that I should listen to you, uh, and provide comments. Like all, more feedback, the better. Uh, I'd ask that you uh, direct all insults at Dr. Mark Hertzberg. Uh, do not accept insults. Uh, okay, then I won't insult you for forgetting to spell kineticlife.com for the people. That's podcast at K-I-N-E-T-I-Q-L-I-F-E.com. Now, we're good. Until next time, I'm your host, Mike Shalavudis. And I'm Mark Hertzberg saying bye-bye. Night, everyone. Bye. We're sponsored by Kinetic Renew. Kinetic Renew is the four-round shot of all natural ingredients that deliver some amazing benefits, like improved mental clarity, long and short-term focus, and improved memory and cognition. Plus, Kinetic Renew improves mood with the added benefits of anti-stress and anti-anxiety. Kinetic Renew provides antioxidants and neuroprotection. And all this with no caffeine, no artificial flavors, sweeteners, or colors, and it's only five calories. Kinetic Renew is what you drink to arrive focused and alert, and you won't get that caffeine or sugar crash. Visit KineticLife.com today. That's K-I-N-E-T-I-Q-Life.com. And try it. 
Use promo code POD1 for a special 30% discount. That's P-O-D and the number one, POD1, for a limited time 30% discount. KineticLife.com. K-I-N-E-T-I-Q Life.com. Do it now. Give it a try. You're going to love it. The 30% off is for a limited time, so log on now for the savings. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Life Podcast. Catch a new show every other Thursday. You'll find us everywhere you can listen to a podcast. And remember, be safe, have fun, and go for your dreams. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. All comments, jokes, views, and ideas expressed are those of the hosts or guests and do not represent any company or organizations with whom they may be affiliated. Always make sure to consult your own physician before starting any new diet, supplement, or exercise routine. Oh, and there's one more thing. If you're working on something that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. Steve Jobs.